Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I am so excited you all are listening. Recently, I took a look at how many countries my podcast has been listened in, and I was utterly shocked, humbled, honored, excited to the moon and back 50,000 times, maybe a million, zillion, bazillion. 181 countries. People from 181 countries across the world have listened to my podcast. I am so honored and thank you for listening. I just was blown away by that and I'm so beyond excited. I'm like bursting out to the sun, moon, and the stars with that amazing energy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I have a very sexy excerpt and a very exciting, fun, sexy interview with author L.M. Mountford, who writes lots and lots of erotica, lots and lots of sexy stuff. On my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, tips, sex toy reviews, erotica, mine and others, and sexuality interviews, people who have a lot of knowledge and things to say, good things to say, sex positive things to say about sex, sexuality, human sexuality, and getting off. (laughs) Enjoyment, enjoyment of life, enjoyment of your body, and climaxing, orgasming. Okay, I need to stop because my brain is going crazy. All right. So I want to talk about L.M. Mountford. Oh, and if you're under 18, it's time to leave the podcast now. This is not for you. This is 18 and older podcast for adults only. So please follow the rules. Author L.M. Mountford is a proper English gent and indie author of The Sweet Temptations He likes to write sagas, fan fiction, erotica, fantasy, horror, and adventure. He loves to write them all. He's from England. He has a great accent. And I'm going to read an excerpt for the interview here. And this excerpt is from his book, Broken. So he has a good amount of books out there. So you should check him out. I'm going to put his links down in the podcast notes. And here is a sample of what he writes. This was a very bad idea. He'd only gone up to talk to her. But then the shadowy back corner didn't offer much cover. But it was quieter here and they were far enough out of the way, hidden behind a private booth that Jake was confident nobody could see. He had pinned her to the wall, hands braced, penning her in with his body as their tongues danced a fiery duet and her fingers clutched at his jacket. This, this is, we should stop. She gasped, tearing her lips from his. Her objections, however, only opened more skin for him to kiss, so he dipped down to ravish the slope of her neck with his nips and licks while working his way between her legs, needing her to feel how hard she'd gotten him. And he 
was hard. Hemmed in by the tight confines of his denim prison, his cock felt like a solid length of steel between his legs. The pressure amassing inside wasn't exactly painful, but by no means was it pleasant either. It demanded release, and he fully intended to grant that wish. Later. Mmm, but you're so wet, he whispered, gently nipping the spot where her neck and collar met before soothing it with a slow, leisurely lick. Come on, say you want me. Your needy little pussy must be throbbing for my cock. Arching into his mouth, Vicky fisted his hair, pulling him closer. No, no, Jake, please. She was nervous, her voice low and breathless, still worried they'd be caught. But that wanton tone was music to his ears. He collared both her wrists in one hand, pinning them behind her back with enough force to make her gasp. Ah, 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 no touching. He was sinking to his knees, the fingers of his free hand curling around the waistband of her jeans. Jake! She gasped, louder now as the denim pooled around her boots, exposing her to his hungry eyes. Well, look at these. His grin was toothy as he took in her vibrant crimson and black underwear, part lace, part filigree, but entirely sexy. It hugged her so tight, the outline of her folds was clearly visible through the fabric. Such sexy panties. Did you come out looking to get fucked? He pushed a finger into the center of the garment, gently rubbing up and down, tracing the line of her furrow. Mmm, and you're so wet. His mouth watering at the heady aroma of her arousal, he drew in a long, exaggerated breath. Jake, oh! He licked through the lace, the point of his tongue slipping up the cleft in a slow drag up and over her clit, collecting all the creamy dew that had seeped through. It was the briefest tease of contact, but it was enough to make her knees all but buckle, and her hips jumped, pleading for more. You're so responsive, you dirty girl. Hasn't someone been getting any lately? No, 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 please, Jake, don't. Have you fucked anyone else? Jake repeated, pushing his finger into her heat, then dragging it up to bear down on her clit. Answer me. No, no, there's been no one else. Just please, Jake, I, oh, God, Uh, just you, just you. Don't, don't tease me. I can't, oh, fuck, there, right there. I can't take it. Eat me. Fuck me. I don't care. Just make me come. Jake's mouth enveloped the butt of her clit through the lace and he sucked hard. 
He had dreamed of this moment of having her beneath him again, at his mercy, begging him to finish her. In those moments, he had teased and toyed with her, driven her to the brink of ecstasy, only to pull back and start over. But here, now, he just couldn't deny her. Instead, he watched the orgasm sweep over her with almost perverse fascination, drinking her in, recommitting every moment to memory. How her skin flushed, the way she arched and thrashed, forcing her eyes shut against the pleasure and worrying her bottom lip to keep from moaning. She was perfect. A deity, the goddess of love, beauty, and debauchery. There was nothing he wouldn't do for her. He was her faithful servant, enslaved to worship at her feet. Restrained as she was, her release wrecked her like a storm. Jake sucked her all the way through, her flavor like honeyed wine on his tongue. And as it passed, her legs gave way. Rising up to meet her, he released the hold on her wrists to steady her while his other hand hooked around her thigh, raising one long leg. Wrap your leg around me. She obeyed, but the difference in their heights forced her to raise herself onto the tiptoes of the other leg to do so. Jake dipped his head to take her mouth in a long, lush kiss, swirling his tongue around hers. The hand that had been holding her leg dipped down to the crotch of his jeans, where his cock formed a very obvious bulge. While that hand worked at the buttons, the hand that had been supporting her back teased down the nubs of her spine to cup her bum, two fingers hooking under and drawing back the drenched thong. When he pulled back, glazed eyes struggled to focus on him. J- Jake! I- oh. He swept his tongue across his bottom lip, collecting the last of her heady cream. Delicious. Then time held his breath. Holding her gaze, he rolled his hips, watching as Vicky's eyes widened, and that cute little mouth formed a delicious O as his broad crest passed through her folds into lush, welcoming heat. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and it took all his restraint not to lose himself right there. Jake lived for this moment. When he pushed inside, when their bodies joined, and two came as close to becoming one as it was humanly possible. When he saw the look in her eyes that told him she could feel him inside her, it filled him with a sense of pure, primitive conquest. She was his. This beautiful little sex kitten was all his, and he was going to make sure she knew it. She was his. panted, her tone pleading and her hand seizing anything she could cling to. 
Jake gritted his teeth against his answering moan as her muscles flexed around him, bearing down on his cock. She needed time to adjust, to get used to the feeling of a man inside her again, but he couldn't wait. He needed her now. Woo! That is one toasty, sexy, steamy, fucking hot little scene. An excerpt that is so delicious. I'm pretty fucking hot right now, just having read that. <laughs> wow, yes, please. Woo, that was a hot sucker, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Ellen Mountford, for sharing that with us. L.M. Mountford. I am so very, very excited to bring you this guest. I am excited to talk with him and expose you to his amazing writing. His name is L.M. Mountford, and he is from England. Welcome. Hi. Welcome all. And what should I address you as, L.M.? No, no, that'll probably... End. <laughs> People will probably mishear that. If you just call me Lewis, that works for me. That's my first name. So, and okay. maybe it'll stop people thinking I'm a woman. <laughs> well, nice to meet you, Lewis. I'm Ruin. <laughs> I am very excited to talk with you. And I read your book, The Valentine Misadventures. It was very, very sexy. I really enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> so, you write erotica do you, what do you call it do you call it erotic fiction erotic romance just erotica everybody kind of you know i gen well these days i generally class myself as a dark romance and erotica author as far as i'm concerned they're pretty much the same thing so long as it's got sex in everyone's happy <laughs> exactly right <laughs> yes exactly well i like to start off as with an ice icebreaker question which mm -hmm. is about sex are you okay with that fine fire away okay what is your favorite sexual position? And I'm definitely not going to complain if you tell me why. <laughs> uh, oh, that depends. Are we talking about viewing or doing? Well, I guess that's up to you. You can pick. You get to preference <laughs> what you want. <laughs> well, if I'm doing it, I'll admit I am touch of a vanilla fellow. I tend to like missionary with the girl's legs up and over my shoulders or above her head. Very nice. Generally, because that does that gets a pretty deep penetration, I must admit. And there's nothing I like more than watching her eyes roll back after she's come about five times. I mean, <laughs> it, it does just boost your confidence. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, actually, that's one of my favorite positions, too. It just happens to hit me just perfectly. So I totally understand that. I mean, people call it vanilla, but I'm like, oh, if it hits the right spot, it, nothing of vanilla about it. <clears throat> well, <laughs> It doesn't vanilla is not necessarily a bad thing. It's my favorite ice cream flavor. I mean, I have vanilla. I'm a happy boy. Right. And think how many things you can nicely add to vanilla. Exactly. I mean, it it, it's a blank page. Everything. Yeah. It works with everything. It goes on top of things. It can go in the middle of things. It can melt all around things. So it's very Are we talking delicious. about ice cream or sex again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about both? <laughs> Fine by me. Two go nicely together at the best of times. If you oh, need to survive yes. the chill. Yes, exactly. It's just so sweet and lovely, just like sex. Well, I don't know, a bit of a hot and rough never doesn't exactly go <laughs> the wrong way either. 
Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely perfect. And you can take ice cream and blend it into smoothies. I mean, think how many things you can do with it. Same with sex. One of my favorite foods. <laughs> absolutely. Where else can people find your writing? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Well, let's see. Obviously, I'm on just about all the mainstream ebook retailers, or at least I try to be. Any I don't know about, I try and get on them as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I have my own website with a store attached where you can get my books at discounted prices. It's a nice little payoff, I think, for people to be willing to trust me to actually take their money and deliver a product. Yeah. But I'm also on several fan fiction and erotic literature free-to-view sites like Literotica, mm, yes. uh, which is actually how I got into writing in the first place. Oh. I think that's all off the top of my head. Okay. So you sell on any other sellers on site, any booksellers, or do you kind of just stick to your own plan like you have on your website? Well, how do you mean by, well, oh, like Amazon or Barnes and uh, Noble right. or any of those kind of big guys? Yeah, I try and go with all the big guys. I've never gone with, well, no, I did for a short period, but I never really got attached to Amazon and, or Kindle Unlimited, should I say? Okay. So I try to go as wide as possible. Oh, Freudian slip there. <laughs> uh, That's a good slip. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I try. I always go with the wide option, and I then I submit to the website Smashwords to get on as many multiple 
platforms that it's not so easy to upload to independently. Yeah, right. So I do try and be as easy to find as possible. Yes. I would make an awful Waldo, I will admit. <laughs> and you're on Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. BookBub, Goodreads, and your website is lmmountford.com. Yep. Awesome. That's a lot of good places for people to find you. That's perfect. And you also have an email list where people can sign up and get books. Yep. My newsletter. I have two newsletters, really. A daily newsletter, which is pretty much just a promotional outlet for other authors. Uh, I include one main feature book and three new releases of that particular day. So then there's Every newsletter always has something new in, generally not one other authors are promoting either. And it always includes at least one free ebook. I always think you got to reward the subscribers. They subscribe to you. They get so many newsletters every day. You got to give them a reason to actually open yours. So I always try and deliver at least one free ebook that isn't being widely promoted by other authors. You can't promote the same thing everyone else is promoting. It's just boring. Yeah, it's true. People like variety. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. And you have a new release I saw on Twitter, Alpha Heat. Yep, was released last Friday. One of my few little ventures into paranormal. Uh, Not a genre I'm very famous or familiar with, but it's fun to shake things up a bit. And I do love werewolves. I've always loved werewolves. So it was fun to shake that genre up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. So all the characters in the book, are they werewolves mostly? All the introduced characters are, yeah. Everyone you meet in that particular book is a werewolf and three of whom have a nice big werewolf fight, which is two on one, which Mm. was a nightmare to write. I don't mind saying because one thing I have never really seen is werewolves fighting in either movies or books. <laughs> right, it's true. You're right. The werewolves are that. always hunting the people or going up against the vampires. So trying to have three werewolves have a fight was an interesting experience. And it was very difficult. It took me about two months to write that scene. Wow. You know, that is kind of jarring. I never really thought about that. But as I'm scanning my brain, I'm like, I cannot think of a single time I have seen that. I did YouTube searches and everything. I, I only found one other scene where werewolves are fighting. And for the life of me, I can't actually remember what it was called now, but it was just about the only tips I got. The rest of the time I had to sort of watch things like the 2004 Van Helsing movie and try and huh. infer scenes as much as possible. Fortunately, everyone likes watching a werewolf fight Dracula, so yeah, exactly much torment. (laughs) That's very interesting. I mean, I can think of vampires fighting vampires. I've seen that many, many, many times. But Mm. yeah, very interesting idea. People need to expand on that. We're getting too stuck in the same little plan here. People have found what they like, and they'd like to stick with it. It's very hard to venture into new things, I find. And when you're an author trying to do it, it's a very risky venture. I try and do new things all the time, and half the time they do backfire on me quite badly. Yeah. It's fun to try. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because as writers, we like to create. So Mm. that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way before. So what got you into writing erotica? What was that trigger that was like, I want to write about sex? (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
Other than the obvious reasons, because you like it. (laughs) Oh, got to be honest, got to be honest. Uh, Actually started when I was relatively young. Uh, I read my first dirty book, I must admit, when I was about 13, 14. Mm. You know, at that complicated age when you're just going into puberty and sex is just, what is it? Everyone says different things. Yeah. So uh, I started reading dirty fiction, as you do, you stumble across them and everyone says not to read that sort of thing. So, of course, (laughs) 14-year-old boy, i got to do it. Uh You can't resist the dirty temptations. (laughs) I read a few and then thought, hmm, I could write one of these. This is quite easy. So that's what I did. I started that and uh, I just kept doing it, really. I, I did it all until I was about 24 years old when I started learning a little more about Kindle and uh, Amazon publications. Sure. So <laughs> when you were a child writing, how did you write? Did you write handwrite? Did you, did you type? How did you write? Well, when I was a, before I started fan fiction, because I, I, I've always been writing little stories when I was young. So uh, then it was handwriting. And then as I became a little more computer savvy, I, I learned how to use WordPress, word processor, but that's about it. I would start typing it up and it just went from there, really. I've um, never really left the word processor, though. Yeah, yeah. I love to hear how writers start out in notebooks because that's what I did. I just started writing in actual mm-hmm. notebooks, longhand, you know? Yeah, and, that's and what then, I did. It's how you start. Oh, yeah. And then I when I was in high school, I really loved to write poetry. So, of course, I had to have these little like fancy journals that looked like really cool and stuff. And then you just felt really awesome writing in these amazing little books that looked really pretty and they were just fun. (laughs) I never had that. For me, it was just went down to the local supermarket and just grabbed the pad of A4 and would just start jotting it down, rip the paper out, put it all together like a nice little book. Yep. And then, of course, they always get ruined because it's paper. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I know. And you're a kid, right? So you don't yep. keep it perfect. <laughs> it gets dirty. It gets dog-eared. It gets torn. It gets and dogs eat it, right? It. And then the dog <laughs> eats it. <laughs> yep. My dog never started on that, but they did like scratching it up a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paper's fun for them. They love paper. Yeah. Well, they love just about anything they can tear apart or eat. <laughs> that's true yes i saw so i have to mention this now because it fits in i saw that you're a big animal lover i am a huge animal lover <laughs> oh yes i love my animals i have i have two dogs but my ultimate fondness is for tigers i have uh, always adored tigers uh, my living room looks like a tiger ornament factory that's awesome. I love tigers too. And I have two dogs also. Yeah, I tigers are just amazing. And when I was little, I just would melt every time I saw a little baby tiger. No. Like, I want that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever so it comes time for calendar season, people always buy the big cats or the tiger ones for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> what is your favorite part of the writing process? Like what gets you? Do you like the creation? Do you like the outline? You're actually writing. Some people even like the editing, which I think is crazy. I hate that. Oh, oh, that hurts. That is I know, crazy. right? <laughs> oh, that hurts. Nothing. I, to be honest, the part I hate most is rereading my own work. Cause I always yeah. end up thinking, what were you thinking? How did you miss that? <laughs> what are you doing here, ma'am? I know, right? My favorite part is, I suppose, when you actually are actually making the story up, when you're 
you have that idea and then it, the spark of infor- inspiration that flows from it. And then when you're actually writing and you get to expand on the idea as you're planning it out and ending up getting something a lot bigger than what you already planned. Mm, yeah. The one I'm working on at the moment, it, I am a nutter for that. I start, I had an idea and now it's become so much more than the original thing. It's just getting silly. <laughs> I have a deadline. I got to stop coming up with these new ideas and adding oh, things yeah. to it. It is <laughs> murder for the timeline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I started it, I knew it would be close. Then I managed to add on three ideas in just the planning stage. So suddenly I got five more chapters. The chapters <laughs> are getting expanded. I mean, I did it this morning where I've been <laughs> coming up a way to make the scene even stronger by having the guy whacking one off in the shower. I mean, it's uh... just true. The readers, will, you know, the female readers will love it. But yeah. it's murder for my timeline. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But when you're seized by a character or an idea or that they should do this, you kind of feel your hand is forced. Yeah, you think it just it will improve it so much, make it so much better. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how much. Well, actually, I'm sure we all feel that way after a quick <laughs> one in the shower. But uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to feel that way when writing about it. I know. Right. Well, <laughs> that's kind of delicious if you do, though, don't you think? You hope so. But then sometimes you think you just got to do it yourself just to do it properly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that, is, that is a thing. Absolutely. Do you feel you call yourself more of a pantser or more of an outliner, planner? What would you categorize yourself as? Oh, I've ne- to be honest, I've never really classed myself as anything, really. Nice. I've never really thought about it, if I'm honest. Ah. Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> well... I'm good at the planning. I must admit, I am very good at the planning. But because nothing I have, I plan ever turns out the way it was supposed to, they always turn out different. Yeah. I suppose I am more of a writer than anything else because I, I'm much better at writing on the spur of the moment when I get the idea, when I get the flow going. Yeah. So I can't plan out what I'm going to write, and I can't reread it generally. Most of the time, as soon as I've read it. I have to send it off to my editor. I ah. cannot. I've learned that if I, I have to trust my initial thought and inspiration at the time mm-hmm. and send it to the editor, she will read it. She will tell me what's wrong with it or what I did wrong and yep. she'll send it back and then I can grow on that. But if I'm, I've tried it once where I was rereading the second draft, well, first draft, and I ended up spending six months rewriting the damn thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I learned I am not good at rereading because I keep wanting to make things better, in which case yeah. I do. I will start adding ridiculous attention to detail mm-hmm. to the extent that purple prose looks sounds more like pink prose by comparison. Yeah, right. So I've learned just trust the editors, what I'm paying them for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you need editors. I don't care who you are. You need an Everyone editor. needs editors. They may miss things occasionally, but right. for everything they miss, you know they picked up 10 things that you missed. So. Right. I mean, we are still human. We do miss things. Editors do miss things. It happens. Yep. The only way you can ever hopefully get all the errors mixed is by having a team of editors. And then you can guarantee they will never agree. One editor yeah. will tell you something should be here. Another one will tell you something. But when you do both things, the other ones disagree. 
Yeah. It almost, it gets harder. Like I had that with a book where I had two editors and yeah, they didn't agree. So one was telling me one thing. And then the second round of editing, other one was telling me other things. And I'm like, well, now what? Yeah. It's you know? just, <laughs> then you need to think you get, need to get a third editor to sort yeah. it out, but he'll pick up something completely different. Right. Right. And I still do like to use like spell check and Grammarly just to catch things too. You know, I mean, I always, I'm trying to get into the habit of using Grammarly before I send it to my editor just yeah. to make sure. But yep. It's difficult at times because the moment you finish it, you want to send it off so you oh, can yeah. hopefully get the praise back for it. Yeah. I love knowing what people think about my work. I love it. Yes. Oh, I know. That's the most rewarding thing is when you find people that like what you write or what you do. I think that is the biggest reward for me anyway. That is the biggest reward. Yeah, I'm the same. Sometimes I will write even part of a chapter, then send it to my review team just mm. so they can tell me they like it. Right. <laughs> or so they can tell me they don't like it and what needs to be done. I mean, yeah. this is part of the growing process. We cannot yes. be slaves to the praise. We've got to take the rough with the smooth. Yep. If you don't want to, to hear hard things, you should not be a writer because yes. reviewers will not spare you and they will be cruel. They will be cruel, Very cruel and, at times. And you will always get haters. That's what I, I, yep. I mean, I have haters. I'm sad to say I have haters. I'm like, I'm a really nice person. <laughs> I know what you mean. And sometimes you get even worse. You get the people who review the book, but actually haven't read it. They actually yes. admit they haven't read it. They are reviewing because they don't like one thing you did, normally yep. the price. Yes. I mean, yes. I get reviewers telling me, I have not read the book, but I don't think he should be selling it for this amount. I'm thinking, what do you know? Amazon <laughs> sets price restrictions. Yeah. I, I have to make a choice. I either have to try and make something I can live on, or I have to face just giving it away for next to nothing, in which yeah. case I might as well give it away for nothing because yeah. I'll get more exposure. <laughs> I know. Sadly, that's the truth. It really Amazon is. Amazon's such a rigid price guide. It is hard to navigate. It does. Mm -hmm. There is no middle ground with them. You either have to set it at 99 cents mm -hmm. for a minimum, as a minimum, but then you only get the 30% royalties, or yep. you have to set no lower than 2.99. Yep. Even when you think 2.99 is too much, you know yes. it is the only way you can gain something you can live off of, or even yep. close to live off of. I agree. They've made it very, very difficult. They've made it very easy for people mm. to publish what they want, but they've made it very difficult to make money on it. Yeah. Well, they make money. They, they make, make money. Nice, yeah. They'll uh, definitely make define money. Define who. 30% yeah. royalty giveaway. Yeah. They're making money. Absolutely. But yeah. So it's kind of, it is pretty brutal. I agree. And it's of course, the harsh. readers want the 99. Well, actually, they want the freebies. You can't deny. Yeah. I can understand why they want it. So, I mean, right. we all like something for free. You we know, do. I can't deny that. We do. What really drives me crazy, this thought I had a few minutes ago, and I forgot to say it, is <laughs> reviewers, <laughs> reviewers who read your book and they've already read the blurb. They know the intent of your story, but yet they mm. review it as if it's supposed to be something else. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. That is frustrating. It and is. For me, it's when you know, when you have the reviewers who are actually speed readers mm -hmm. and then they say things at the end, like I was really confused about what was happening toward, until I got <laughs> to the end. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how 
could you be confused? I quite literally write it there in black and white. I know there are people who might be confused if I try and hide the facts till the end. So I tell them in black and white because Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them something that makes them want to read towards the end. I don't need them waiting till the end to find out answers. I will give them the end because I want them to know I'm going to give you more before you get to the end. You know, my books, my covers don't lie. There's a reason I give you sexy covers. Mm -hmm. I write sexy scenes. That is what I want you to get to at the end. That is your end goal. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And in your book that I read, I really enjoyed how you, you had, you know, the little, the the chunk of the story up front. This one was the uh, Valentine misadventures. Mm -hmm. And then you went into the sex scene and it was very elaborate and stretched out yet. It was a perfect amount, but you also had some things snuck in there that, that helped us learn more about them. Oh, indeed. I never think a sex scene should just be there for, to yeah. get people's rocks off. There's plenty of character <laughs> development you can put in while they're shagging. Yeah. You know, there is so much to expand on and grow on. You do A sex scene does not have to be just porn. Yeah. On the other hand, it doesn't have to be an emotional roller coaster at the end of the day. Right, right. We all have sex and we are not left rolling, you know, reeling from it emotionally every time we have a roll in the hay. Right. It can be fun and you can add in a bit of a character ve- development along the way, but characters don't need to be stressed out afterwards. Right. It's for fun. Yeah. <laughs> you have sex for fun or to assert power or for procreation, which is the necessary evil. absolutely (laughs) i love all that a sex scene should not be boring there's plenty you could do with it you can have a sex scene in every chapter and make it entertaining if you do it the right way doesn't need to get tiresome you just need to write it right yep oh i agree (laughs) so i have another question for you what's an early experience that you had where you learned language had power i know we talked about you writing as a young child can you think of one poignant example that really struck you as a child you're like wow these words to be honest i've never really been struck by anyone's words things people say is never they've had their moments but nothing's ever really stood out in my mind generally i think it's always the delivery of it rather than what Ah. people say because i am a student of history i will admit i love history and there's one point in history i think that stands out where delivery of it even though what was being said was complete nonsense and is quite detestable when you think about it in plain english the delivery of it was able to enslave a nation almost uh Ah. to use slightly colorful language but uh i think it works given the topic and that was the late adolf hitler who Ah. is well recorded today as a masterful orator even if really? he was a complete loony oh my in gosh fact, i never uh, knew this yeah in fact uh, to use popular use a popular culture reference uh, game of thrones in the last ever episode before her character met her end i won't give away spoilers as i'm sure there are some people out there who haven't got there yet right where daenerys uh, delivers a well, it's a conqueror's dictator's diatribe of, to lead her soldiers on to enslave the world. And the actress, Amelia Clark, actually said she watched uh, Adolf Hitler's speeches 
for inspiration wow. on how to deliver it. Wow. Hitler, he was, he may have spoke nonsense, but he knew how to do it in such a way from watching opera, actually. Huh. To be fair, deserves points for being able to sit through those. I've never been able to watch an <laughs> opera. I can't even stand theatre. I know, right? But how true is that? The way that someone speaks or the way they present themselves is so powerful. This is why people do like to watch movies. This is why people yeah. like to go to theater. This is why people like Hitler get to power. Exactly. Well, we had there was Donald Trump. And I suppose yeah. no offense to Republicans or Democrats. I'm English. I mean, I don't take an interest in your politics. That's your business. Right. But we got to admit, he did say a few crazy things now and then. What politician <laughs> doesn't? Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's so true. And that makes me think I, I have a friend who is a writer and he says, you know, I search high and low for he was searching for a male narrator. And he said, the, the narrator can make a book mm. and make a book so different than the author does. And I've both read his book and I've listened to the narrator and it's true. It gives such a different flavor for it to be presented, for it to be read, for it to be acted out. And that is, that's amazing. Really. You can take a story mm. and you can transform it just by the way it's spoken. Indeed. Mm. To be honest, I've never actually had the heart to listen to any of my audio books I must admit <laughs> I because I know a lot of all when I speak to the narrators they say how I can give you know instruction for how it should be but I'm always thinking when they're speaking that is their show they're going to interpret yeah. it their way I want I want them to deliver their best performance and I think the best way I can do that is by letting them deliver it in their own fashion I yeah. have my I had my own way of how it plays out in my head when I was writing it, but that is my show. I can't, I can't transcribe that onto audiobook. Otherwise, I would do that myself. And yeah. the last thing I think anyone wants to hear is my voice. Though <laughs> that's an interesting thing to say on a podcast. Granted, <laughs> I think you have a good voice. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't hear what you hear. I only hear it my way. <laughs> that's so, uh, true. That's uh, true. <laughs> I always think a narrator can deliver it best if they're left to their own devices. They can deliver their own show. And I want them to. It's what I'm paying them for. Right. Please. So my thoughts are, please, give it your all. Do it the way you think works best. That's what you do. Yep. I'll write it. You just write, you know, you read what I write. Or, hey, give it a spin. Make it your own. Twist the words here and there to make it how you think will sound best. I'm game. At the end of the day, if it makes people listen and makes people buy, I'm game. It works exactly. Another cool thing about that is if you think about it, the reader can read the book that you've written and they can listen to the book and get two different experiences. And that's valuable it, as well. It is. And I've always found that listening to audiobooks and reading the book are two different things altogether. It's like reading a book and watching a movie. Yes. They are always different, even if it's just the way the narrator says. I mean, I have heard books that may be brilliant on script, but Admittedly, I didn't want to listen to the audiobook after about five minutes of reading it. Yeah. I yeah. as I love the Game of Thrones books, as people can probably guess. I watched the series and I looked into it. I watched the commentary and all that. But one of the books, I heard a different narrator to all the other books, and every bit of that one was a struggle. Not yeah. a short book to listen to. It was a, every chapter was a struggle. In fact, I had to skip a couple of chapters because I could not take that anymore. 
Yeah. That's as you say, a narrator can make the book, and or unfortunately, he can uh, sometimes not do the best for it. But then again, that's always up to the reader because we yeah. all respond differently to different books. I yep. hear some people do an English accent, or as you say across the water, a British accent. <laughs> oh God, it's like nails on a chalkboard oh. to me. <laughs> I if can I, imagine because we do not all sound like Hugh Grant or oh. <laughs> I can't think of a good Cockney, a good Cockney actor uh, many Americans would recognize. Right. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. But, you know, it's individual. So you mm. can't. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's something sometimes things just don't sound right. They sound fake. And that's not what you want. <laughs> no, but that is life. Everything. Every experience is a bit different. It is. And we all like different things. And thank goodness we do. Otherwise, it'd be pretty damn boring. Life would be so boring if we all like the same thing. Oh, right. God. Exactly. I could not stand it. Particularly <laughs> since I can't stand coffee. You can't stand coffee? <laughs> I am English through and through. I like, like my tea. tea. Oh, I yeah. cannot stand coffee, though. I do want to say this because I watched a video last year that was going viral, seemed to be very popular, uh-huh. where an American lady was showing people how to make a proper English cup of tea, uh-huh. and it involved a microwave. I want to say this here and now. A cup of tea does not belong anywhere near a microwave, not even for reheating. If it has gone cold, pour it away and start again. Don't boil anything in the microwave. A microwave is for reheating meals. That is all. Nothing else. (laughs) That is really funny. So, microwaving of water for tea in your country is taboo. I don't even think it was the water alone. I think they had the tea bag, the milk, and the sugar in there. (laughs) I could not stand it. I was only able to take about five seconds of it. The moment I heard the word microwave, (laughs) that went off. Tea (laughs) is made in a kettle. You boil the water. You put the tea bag in the cup. In goes the water. Then add the milk and sugar. Do not oh, yeah. use microwave. If I find out you use the microwave, I will come around and throw it out the window on general <laughs> principle. Okay, well, I'm kind of guilty of that because I don't even have a teapot. Oh, well, neither <laughs> do I. We use a kettle. A kettle. What is, what is a kettle to you? I love these differences in what people call things in different countries. What's a kettle? It is literally just a water boiler, if I'm honest. You pour the water in, you put it on the little stand that comes with it, flip the button, it boils the water in the kettle, pour it straight into the mug. It is pretty much similar to a teapot, except with the teapot, I think the water was always meant to be boiling or else you put the pot on a heat source and it would boil within. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. A teapot is generally ceramic. They're fancy. In this country, we use them more for decoration than anything else. We haven't really used them practically in, oh, I don't know how long. Oh, I suppose uh, tea cozies were around. And that's something we don't have in this country, if I'm honest. What's a tea cozy? I don't know what that is either. <laughs> uh, it's some sort, I think it's a Victorian instrument they would put onto the teapot to ah. keep, help keep it warm. It would just insulate it. We, I haven't seen one in, actually, I've never actually seen one. I think they might have been around in the 60s, but that's the last time I ever heard of one being used. Now um, they're sort of, comic decoration things over here yeah sure that's very interesting and i think americans are definitely guilty of yeah taking a mug putting it in the microwave to heat it up i mean i'm guilty 
that works in your, you know, if that works with you guys, that is your business. Just don't call it an English cup of tea. That's all we ask. Oh, yes. If I you said that. that to an Englishman or an Englishwoman, yeah. we will literally spit it out at the first sip. <laughs> we take pride in our tea. Oh, that's fascinating. What's your favorite kind of tea? Oh, I, my favorite joke is I like my tea like I like my women. Mm. Sweet and creamy or sweet oh. and milky. Plenty nice. of milk and plenty of sugar or sweetener. Perfect. <laughs> and it's quite sexy as well. I try. I do try. Uh, it always <laughs> makes the missus chuckle. It always <laughs> makes the missus chuckle right before she tries to hit me. And that's hilarious. <laughs> well, it is for her. She always, after she tries to hit me, I have to put her over my knee. As much <laughs> for fun as for discipline. <laughs> I understand. That is a huge area of interest in your country as well. Putting women over on it? Yes. <laughs> well, it's more of a joke more than anything else, I think, over here. We say it, but we don't really do it because you can get, because the days when a bit of domestic was a, you looked over by the old bill or the police as it's yeah. said over your way is a long gone. You can. You know, a wife can prosecute her husband for that these days. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. If, if it's not consensual and it's not. Exactly. If it's fun and games, everyone's happy. You know, my yeah. missus, she doesn't mind us spanking every now and then. But there's a time <laughs> and a place at the end Absolutely. of the day. Done at home, it's one thing. Done out on the street where people can see. Yeah. But people can't see. It's a, bit of, it's a bit of fun and a bit of adventure, a bit of risk. Right. But done where people can see, it's humiliating. Oh, yeah. And. Always has to be consensual, or as yep. you said, it becomes something entirely different. Yeah, it's fun and games until it's not, as they say. Exactly. So we did talk a little bit about your writing process. What is a typical writing session for you? To What does it look like? Do you sit down and just like pound it out, pound, pound, pound? Or do you like take breaks? What, what works for you? I thought this was about writing. <laughs> What's that? Is this about sex again when you said pound, pound, pound? <laughs> Well, I personally like it when it's about both, but you know, that's me. <laughs> I can't get enough of either. Let's see. My writing session is pretty much, I'll have the idea and I sit down and I just start trying to write it mostly. I don't have any rituals or anything, but as I'm writing, I do sometimes slip into a bit of the old ritual. I have one of those fist exercising things where you just keep mm. clenching it i have one of those on my desk ready to use whenever yep. i don't know if you can hear that oh yeah i heard like a squish sound is that it yep that's yep. the squishy bit that's the squishy bit oh yeah uh, i can hear it yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, i have ooh, i have a set of i will be honest knuckle dusters mm. which i will just pick up put my fingers on occasionally and pretend punching with them whenever I'm trying to write a fight scene and trying to get in a bit of the mood, a bit of the old ah. uh, punt, a bit of the old pub brawl, a bit of the old gangster stuff, which yeah. apart from that, that's about it really. The rest of the time it is just trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to write something. Right. Right. The yeah. only other time that comes close to something anywhere near habitual or ritual is when I am writing sex scenes, I will admit, I do break out the porn and start looking for inspiration. Sure. Yeah, I know porn gets a bit of a dirty rep these days, but honestly, yeah. I think for someone who writes sex scenes, 
porn is pretty much one of the best devices you can have because it does give you a whole range of materials to view and sometimes just you do need a bit of inspiration you do need to hear the professionals just mouthing off a bit of a few dirty words to get some sex talk going through your head oh absolutely and i think porn does get a bad rap but other things that i i find that because i actually do the same thing i admit that (laughs) an enjoyable little guilty pleasure but you also get ideas from their facial expressions uh, the way they're moving yeah the only thing is you've got to find the porn stars you can tell or at least you think are not faking it because yeah right when they're faking it it is obvious and it mm-hmm. does actually kill the whole mood gaining experience when you think that is so fake it does i know it pretty much trashes it yeah yeah the moment you realize the moment you think she's faking it the spell is broken and mm-hmm. your whole scene is ruined you know you sometimes just have to throw it out and start over again yeah it's heartbreaking when you've been writing it all week Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you need the right inspiration, you need the right influence, but it is a good influence to give you ideas and just, uh, I don't know, just adds another layer to what you're doing or just even spark an idea, like you said. And at the end of the day, because all your characters are different people, it helps to have different people Mm -hmm. in real life to gain inspiration from because their reactions are all different. Their faces are different. I mean, we all love the wide eyes and mouth dropping open one, but it gets a bit boring on the seventh time round. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But there's so many different ways you can write it. That that, that's what I think is amazing. Interview quite a few other authors and they all have a different voice, which I find absolutely fascinating. And then I get annoyed when everybody says the everything's been written, nothing is original. I'm like, really? You're pretty much cheapening it. I think in a way things a lot of things have been written, but what makes it original is our spin on it. Yes. Take the idea and you give it your own spin. For instance, what I'm writing at the moment is actually a rewrite of the Disney, of the nine, I think it was either the late 1990s or the early noughties Disney Tarzan movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And my, although Tarzan is obviously a, a bit of a dangerous subject, as Disney has found out to its misfortune. I mean, I think I don't think they can remember the last time they made a profit off of anything related to Disney. Mm. Even Alexander Skarsgård walking around in long johns and nothing else couldn't save that one. Right. <laughs> don't know how, because my missus's uh, sister, she'd do anything for that scene on her wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm giving so now I'm giving it a take of throwing it into the mafia genre i'm giving a Mm. mafia influence sure uh, which in itself is very original because tarzan okay i can't write matt you know a wild child raised by apes who rules the animals and whatnot because obviously that would be plagiarism well or at least copyright infringement yeah which is a scary enough thought alone oh yeah i found the only way i can rewrite it is by taking the theme and idea of the story which is someone torn between two worlds belonging to both but then not being a part of either world or should that be the other way around being a part of both but not belonging to either either way theme is pretty much the same yeah and so taking that and putting it onto modern issues in a modern setting maybe throwing in a few uh, cultural issues for instance the character Tarzan is English, has to be. Mm. Sorry, America. I'm an English <laughs> author. 
Tarzan is English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jane herself, she could be slightly original. In my case, I'm making her half American, half Native American, which throws oh. on whole new interesting uh, ideas and potential. It takes the potential for racism views to a whole new level because mm-hmm. obviously what with the pandemic and everything last year, racism was a hot, hot button topic. Yes. It even reached my country's shores with the police getting booed in the streets, which yeah. considering they are the only reason I feel safe to walk out some at night sometimes is uh, yeah. very harsh, but that's what social media does for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Social but, media is a monster on itself. Yep. Just with those elements, I've made a completely original story from something that was already, you know, from well done and well used. Right. And always think there is something new. Sometimes you just have to take old things and give them a new look. Stop following the tired and well used paths. Give it a new element. Oh, yes. And this is why I just hate that statement. I'm like, that really just cheapens it. And it's way too basic to say just, every story has been written. I think it tells more about the actual authors than it does about what's out there. There's mm-hmm. so many new things that can be done. You've just got to put a new spin on it. Give it a new idea. Yeah. Try and make it your own. You know, you don't need to try and rewrite the tried and true. Be fun. Right. Be traditional. It might be better. Oh, it yeah. might be worse, as I found more than once, <laughs> or it might not be well received. But... That's the fun of trying something new. Oh, absolutely. And so, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, change the characters' names, change a few elements, republish it as a whole new book. Make Try and make some more money back without having to do any more work. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is a tactic to, uh, what do they call that? Like a recreate content or reuse. I know there's another word for it. Uh, I can call it rebranding or... Mm, yeah. For instance, uh, I, I'll bring up something actually you've mentioned because you brought up my book, Valentine Misadventures. Yeah. I will be honest. That book has been a flop from the get-go. It, oh. It never did, It was never well received. I, I genuinely think there's good stuff in there. I think it's a nice, good story. It could lead to more if people want more. I won't mm-hmm. lie. I, Certainly open to expanding on that story. There's a lot there I could do with it. Would love to, actually. I love right. I love expanding on my stories. Right. It's just I want to know the things people are going to buy so I can invest the time in it. Yes. But, so because that book didn't do very well, I was reading another author's a blog on BookBub, and mm. she said how when a book doesn't do well, she will often bring it some new love by giving it a new cover and releasing a second edition or Mm. by rebranding it new cover new name starting from scratch so long as you remove the original from amazon there is no harm in that Mm. because if you keep the original on and then try rebranding the other one it's just you know they won't set they won't take it they'll actually possibly uh, remove you from amazon entirely for that naughtiness but oh sure, sure if you take it off Give it a new title, give it a new cover. So long as you include somewhere in the blog that it was previously re-released, everything's gravy. So uh, I took that down off all the main sites, gave it a new cover and a new name. It is now called Reckless. Okay. It's still at the same price. And 
It is out there. Very little has changed, but a new cover, new name, and it has done a lot better this time around. Just because yeah. I corrected a few of the errors I made when I released it the first time. It had, you know, it's a 99 cents book, so it's never going to really bring in a stable monthly bill, but it does pretty well. People like it. People like the new risque cover, which oh, sure. I must admit, I do like that cover myself. <laughs> Oh, I have to take a look. But yes, the cover really does matter. I've I've found that as well. And you know, we always say we're not supposed to judge a book by a cover, but yeah, we People do that do. every your, day. Your cover is what makes or breaks the books half the time, I find, because people see that and they judge. Mm-hmm. My newest book, Alpha Heat, I was so worried about releasing that because if I'm honest, when I made it, I took one look at it and thought, I can't use this. It looks like a cheap horror movie cover. The more, you know, when I put it out to the audience in my newsletter and gave them a cover vote between that and the alternative, they all went for wolf eyes. You know, I could not see it myself, but the number that wanted that was astronomic compared to the other cover, which is a pity because I thought the other cover spoke pretty well on its own. But everyone said it's because the wolf eyes say paranormal. They say shifter. Mm, Yes. Okay. sure, sure. I can understand that, but at the end of the day, I also need sales. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The other book would appeal to a greater majority, but the audience spoke. So I do like to be a man of my word. I gave them the chance to choose. So I'll follow them through to the end. And if it doesn't work well, the new cover's coming next year. Right, exactly. That's a great idea. And I think... People really need to think about that. And I know some people will create their own covers, but they're not experienced at it. But, you know, if you can't do it, it's worth paying for. It takes a lot of work with covers. The only reason I make my own now is because I I started slowly. My first few covers, I did use cover artists. Mm. I did have some Photoshop training when I was in school. Admittedly, that was about 15 years ago. So. Mm completely different experience and I didn't do it you know I never carried it on so there was a bit of a leapfrogging a bit of pick me up from where I was mm-hmm. but I knew the groundwork I knew the basics enough to meddle through and the rest I've just learned as I went along but it is so difficult at times you really need to be prepared to have a cover vote if you have a newsletter just to let the audience say what they think of the cover it does work a lot it does help and it also boosts your confidence I don't mind saying Oh, absolutely. I think it's a great idea to ask people what they want. You know, fans already of yours, people are interested in your work. And that's a huge, valuable piece of research that is going Mm. to impact a wide range. And I like the thing they do appreciate having their say, you know, Mm, getting the chance to say which cover you should use and which one they like. I think it does make them feel more appreciated and in touch with the author. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like you have more of a relationship of some sort. Oh, you hope so anyway. Yes. Uh, newsletters, it's always tricky. There are so many authors with newsletters. Sometimes subscribers will just drop you even after they've been with you for a long time for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. I had that today, actually. A couple of subscribers who have been with my newsletter for over a thousand newsletters. Yeah. You know, they just suddenly drop it and I do some, and I do genuinely feel hurt by that. I must admit, one subscribers who have been on the list a long time, when they, when I see them leave, it does hurt. It does feel like rejection. 
It does. And you wonder why, like what has changed? Yeah. One, a couple of weeks ago, I did think I'll start, you know, to long-term subscribers. I'll, I did think I can send, you know, I've got their emails. I can at least ask why. Maybe there's a way I can improve the newsletter to stop. Right. But then I just thought, you know what? It's their choice whether they leave or not. That is their choice. I will respect their privacy. You know, I will right, respect right. their reasons and maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. Right. Right. It'd be see. nice though if they would like just drop a note like this is mm-hmm. why I left or I just don't and if you know it can impact it too what it's like I just don't have time right now you know that will hurt less. There are it's like a breakup a lot of the time you do mm-hmm. feel the sting. Yeah. Maybe not as much as with someone you've been with for a long time but when you see how long they've stayed with you and suddenly drop away it it is like getting dumped for out of the blue for no reason. Yeah. And then not, not getting any reason why that's no closure. It does. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Do you, do you find you do any other kind of research or do you feel other than, you know, watching porn or asking your newsletter people, do you do any other kind of research? Generally? Well, it depends on the topic I'm writing with writing sex scenes. I will be honest. I do try and try out a few of the uh, scenes <laughs> to get a bit of an idea though. It's difficult at times, some of the things like, for instance, I know my missus wouldn't be comfortable with inviting a third person into the relationship, sure. which, yep. so with, you know, with scenes with more than two people, there is, a, it is all very much a bit of a, from porn, from reading, you, from using a bit of the older inspiration and imagination, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, other times with readings or writing, say, action scenes, before I write an action scene, I spend a lot of time watching YouTube and watching both movie scenes and what, because I've noticed there are a lot of things with so-called experts in martial arts or weaponry describing how movies are realistic or not. And mm-hmm. that can be very informative, but of course I do sometimes query how genuinely you know, authentic the commentary is because after all, in this day and age, anyone can say they're an expert in anything. It's yeah, not some, you know, they're not required to prove their expertise on YouTube. So it's got to take it with a pinch of salt sometimes. And also knowing if they are experts and then critiquing movies, it can ruin the viewing experience at times. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't want to know that this couldn't happen or this wasn't how they did it. I just want to be entertained by the movie. <laughs> right. You want, even if it seems outlandish, you want to be convinced that that can happen. And wow, that's want awesome. want to believe just for yeah. the story, because if it's not true, it ruins it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it's not believable, I mean, in movies, in writing, anywhere, in, in audiobooks, if it's not believable, it's just... I mean, yeah. I will be honest. I know you have to take things with a pinch of salt at times. Like, mm-hmm. I watched a movie last year, a Netflix movie called The Old Guard, where... You know, you had these immortals who were some, you know, working basically as mercenaries. And I found a lot of things in it were very questionable. And I also found it rather laughable because the the start leading actress, uh, Shanice Ferron, actually to promote the movie was going about criticizing Steven Seagal uh, a couple of months before the release, mm. which is a pity because I don't know how people feel about Seagal movies, but I like some of the early ones. I mean, I am a big fan of some of his early works. Sure. And But then when I'm watching her scenes in the movie, I'm thinking, 
you're criticizing Steven Seagal about believability when your character is wiping out an, an elite group of special force mercenaries. Oh, I mean, you've got no formal training, madam, yet you're taking all them out. And then I will put spoiler alert because this will spoil the near ending for those of you who haven't seen the movie. So spoiler alert. Sure. But then you find out that she actually hasn't been an immortal since the near start of the movie. She could actually get hurt and killed. And I'm just thinking, you really expect us to believe you could take out an elite group of mercenary special forces groups when one shot could have actually killed you? I assume huh. the entire scene she was taking damage and just surviving because of her immortality. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. For me, it's just... You know, there is always a bit of pinch of salt in things, but we've got to also respect the laws of believability and credits to the characters and their occupations we're writing. Yeah. And I think anyone who's going to start, uh, you know, promoting something, criticism of someone else is not the best way to go because you're just going to no. piss someone off. There are other ways to do it because at the end of the day, in the example shown, Steven Seagal has fans. He was a big yes action hero in the 90s and for the old boys like me who grew up in the 90s and with parents who grew up in the 70s onwards characters like them although their movies are a touch you know slapstick there's a bit of humor and there's a bit of yeah Stephen, like you could really do that with a flick of the wrist right. you know, it's still so entertaining it's just it is. an easy watching movie to put on on a saturday night after all who doesn't like watching one man take apart a group of mercenaries who are taking over his battleship. Right. And if you think about it, it worked back then. So, you know, mm. people who are fans of him, it's not going to take away from it not being realistic. Now, you can't compare, no. that's comparing apples to oranges. You can't compare something made in the 60s to something made now. I mean, sci-fi. You've got like to enjoy it for in the spirit yes. that it was made. Absolutely. Start comparing older things to modern day values. It's all ruined. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to love the classics for the classics and yeah. they are what they are. Yep. At the end of the day, that's what makes them lovable. They are classics and they're classics for a reason. They have survived this long while other movies have fallen away into obscurity. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me a big surprise you've had in the past few months. It can be related to your work or personal life or whatever you want. Oh, well, I will be honest, I haven't had the nicest experiences in the last couple of years. So I'm going to leave those out. I want to keep everything upbeat and happy. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> so um, actually, I suppose the most pleasant surprise I've had recently was finding out that the website Book Funnel is moving into audiobook distribution. For oh. me, that's a big relief because I've been trying to find a way to sell audiobooks through my website's store mm. for well over a year now. Sure. The problem was deliverability because my yeah. website doesn't hold the ability to upload content to it that can be downloaded one mm. purchase, which I thought it would, but it turns out it doesn't. And the only way you can is by buying expensive third-party services and uh, it's i know owning a store is a gamble and there is an element of risk involved in all of it but i want to cut down as much financial risk as possible so i've always been reluctant to buy storage sites and the ones i found that were free 
didn't end up delivering it when they were purchased. So, you know, people could contact me afterwards, tell me about the failing and whatnot, and I would call, you know, I could see they purchased it, so I would send them the hard copy straight away. I'm not a rip-off merchant. I like to deliver everything, I promise, as much as possible. Right. That just defeats the purpose of having the store. I could set up a PayPal order form and get the same result. I want everything done streamlined with no involvement from me. Otherwise, I'll spend all my time doing that. Exactly. Wishes. Sales aren't that good. <laughs> so, well, that's good to know that they're setting that up. That's good. They've actually already put it into beta stages now. I've set oh. I've begun setting it up on my website. Now, whenever you buy an audiobook on my store, Book Funnel is doing it. And they've been delivering ebooks for me for almost two years now. The sure. service does sometimes have the odd hiccup where things don't get delivered. We've got to accept, you know, there's always the odd flaw. Can't help yeah. it. You can send it to the purchaser with just a click of the button. So that works for me. It's a very streamlined service. That's good. So That's good to know. It's, an it's free. So I'm a happy boy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a good piece of info to put out there for people. <laughs> That's good promotion for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Can you think of one to three people who have influenced you the most with regard to your writing? It could be authors, people in your life. In regards to my writing, well, I suppose one of the first authors I can remember myself being a big fan of and constantly reading is the uh, author Bernard Cornwell. He is an English historical author who lives in the States, just for the Americans out there. You know, there's a bit of a bump for you all. Check him out. He is a brilliant historical author and he'll give you a chance to learn some English history. Nice. I fell in love with his... his historical novels, because like all late teens, early 20s, I loved a good sword fight. And most mm-hmm. of his books have plenty of sword play and big battles in. Nice. Just for all the lads out there. My next big author would be George R. Martin, the author of Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, yes. I did mm-hmm. say I was a big fan, so yeah, <laughs> I wasn't kidding. I've read all the books. I've read the spinoffs. I enjoyed the TV series. I read anything of his I can find. Yep. And I suppose, given my literary tastes and style, I should include a dirty author. Yes. <laughs> I suppose the, oh, actually, no, there are two runners I could think of who have inspired me on the dirty writing side. Ah. And that would either be Sylvia Day or Selena Kitt. I'll let you choose which uh, I should expand on there. Uh, well, you pick. I'll go with Selena Kitten, because I think everyone has heard of Sylvia Day. We've all heard of the Crossfire series. Sure, Whereas yep. Selena Kitt, I dare say she's got more what you'd call a cult following in a reading oh, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah. She's the author who actually set up the publishing firm Exotica, if I remember correctly, okay, and became yep. best-selling author for her Baumgartner series. And she, apart from being a source of inspiration as a dirty author who could go very far, I mean, that is quite a leap and bound at starting up your own publishing company. Oh, yeah. And becoming a bestseller. Not many erotica authors ever go near the bestseller mark. Right. It does just show that you can go far writing the dirty books and you can also get away with including a sex scene in every chapter. She does that for the majority of her books and she's doing well enough out of it. Very good. Absolutely. That's 
I mean, that is amazing to be able to do that and to start your own company. That's that's ginormous. I will be honest. I have technically started my own publishing company, but okay. it is literally a company of one. I have ah. <laughs> no idea how to uh, really go about. Well, I know how to publish other authors' works. So I'll even format it for them and provide the editing. Sure. Uh, but I have absolutely no idea about the important part, which is how to realistically divide royalty earnings and divide it amongst others. I have no idea how I would go about figuring that out. Yeah. And it'd be very manual. I think, you know, Hmm. that is the one nice thing about Amazon is that they do have it set up for you, even though it's not necessarily fair, but it's seamless. But yeah, doing it yourself is seems so much more manual. I can up, you know, I've been, when I went wide, I actually did so by uploading to all the sites I could. So on Kobo, BookFunnel, no, not BookFunnel, Barnes and Noble, on Apple, I upload them all individually. So I do know how to do it. But mm-hmm. again, it's just the reports they send you and trying to figure out if it was between two people, how much of each royalty would go to each person. Yeah. They don't really, I mean, they do send a summary after the money is sent, but it's still be very, it's more on a um, per author status rather than per book. So if I had five authors sending books to me and I had to divide the royalties between those five, Mm. I have no idea how to go about it because they keep changing the, they keep changing how money is divided and calculated and sent. It's just, I need an accountant just to start. (laughs) Yeah, that's just, yeah, it's so true. Yeah. It could just give me a headache just thinking about it. So if any author does want to uh, sign up with my publishing company, you know, feel free, Lord of Lust Publications. I will help any author. I'll help. I'll give advice. I'll help any author I can. I always make a habit of it. In fact, in my last signing, I felt... More like the uh, uncle figure giving out advice to newer authors. Oh, sure. Rather <laughs> scary, actually. But I will be honest, you will have to be patient with me when it comes to sending out the royalties. I'll send you figures and everything, but you might need to help me figuring out how much you're due. Right. <laughs> the only reason I started a publishing company, if I'm honest, is because I read to truly self-publish, you need to buy your own ISDBM codes. Right. And when you upload those to Amazon and other sites, they want to ask the name of the publisher. Yeah. And mm-hmm. It just sounded nicer putting Lord of Lust Publications opposed to L.M. Mountford. Just sounded better. Yeah. yeah. Looks oh, better when you, it looks better on the book page when you see a publishing. It's true. It's true. Sadly, it's true, though. People tend to put a little bit more validity into that, unfortunately, which is kind of sad. But at the same time, we're living an amazing time as writers where we can self-publish so easily. We are living in a great time where authors can buy the codes, can pose at publishing companies and give the uh, reader the chance to believe the security they're buying a book by a big publishing company. Right. And it makes us look even better than we like to think we are. Yep, yep. Bestows the message across. Yes, it's a definitely a way to package your work that makes it more appealing, more interesting, bigger than because people do to make assumptions. When the problem is, if you are an independent author, people 
still think of you as that guy who makes loads of mistakes, unedited, bad cover, just yeah. submitting it to try and make an extra buck. Yeah, exactly. Very hard to get taken seriously. It's even harder to get taken seriously as an erotic author. Yeah. And there's always that stigma attached with erotica. Yes. People do think it is just porn in words. And I some people no like, idea where that came from. I know. I know. I just think it's crazy, but you know, I guess everybody has their opinions and we just keep doing what we do. I always think where opinions are concerned, I always think I always remember Clint Eastwood's line opinions are like assholes everybody's got one <laughs> isn't that the and truth? we can infer the rest from that <laughs> absolutely that is so very very true i did say i like the classics clint eastwood i'm a big fan of clint i must admit i love his movies oh yeah yeah you know it, it's interesting when like we said before something can stand through time and still be popular and still be mm. something people want that's what we all strive for, but yeah. Honestly, I think the problem with today's age is people want things, but they're ashamed to admit it. Yeah. Clint Eastwood's movies, I mean, take, say, Dirty Harry, the classic. Mm. Everyone yep. loves Dirty Harry. Yes. Yet Clint Eastwood himself said, you could not make a Dirty Harry movie these days. There are just so many political incorrectness. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Politically incorrect. People don't like it, but people secretly love it because exactly. it's just guilty pleasure. Yes. Yes. If you can just not take it, if you can just take it with that pinch of salt that allows you to accept it, you can enjoy it. Yeah. It's such a great feeling, which is why I am never politically correct in my books. Right. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> I will, when... I'm writing English characters. I include English slang. I include English slur because we say it in real life. Yep. Case with me. I mean, my missus, she is part Welsh. So I make Welsh jokes all the time. I always, you know, <laughs> when I'm talking to her and a Welsh term comes up, I will just use the term sheep shagger because that is what we <laughs> call the Welsh here. <laughs> it is politically incorrect, but it is funny and we love it. And right. at the end of the day, I've never actually been proven incorrect. I've <laughs> never seen a Welsh community come out and openly say it is incorrect. <laughs> Interesting. I know that's probably offensive to the entire country of Wales. I do apologize, but I don't really. I will not stop. Yeah, I pretty much kind of love that. <laughs> that's awesome. It's honest. It is honest. I, it is I am honest, a very honest yeah. person through and through. That's very cool. I love that. So I want to ask you, do you have any advice to authors who are embarking on self-publishing or trying to write what they want to write? What would you say to someone or what do you say? Because you said you give a lot of advice. There's always one bit of advice I have always given. Writing, being an author, it's a lot like swimming against the current in a river. It will push against you hard. You will feel it. You will get tired. You will get demoralized. But you have to keep going. You have to keep swimming, otherwise you will sink, and eventually you will get there. If you just keep going, you will get to where you want to go. And the one bit of advice I've always given. Do not give up. Never I give up. Writing is up. like fighting the currents. When you get to the other side, when you do it, you get that feeling of accomplishment. Yes, absolutely. Always be prepared to get slapped in the face by 
bad reviews, you've got to be willing to take them. Yes, you do. Because they will come. Even the best authors cannot escape it. Edgar Allan Poe, his, in the end of his career, I believe, he was getting bad reviews like no tomorrow. Yeah, you have to accept them. You just have to not take them to heart. And unfortunately, so many people take the bad reviews and they just let it take up too much space in their brain. Yeah. Shrink that down. Don't let that overcome you. And we all don't like the same things. And that's what I try to tell myself every time I read something negative. Like, I don't like everything. So I shouldn't expect everyone to like me. It's just the simple fact of life. When we publish something, we have to be prepared to accept the uh, rough with the smooth. Yep. And unfortunately, there is a lot of rough, but the smooth is very nice as well. Some of the, you can get so many nice things said about you and your books just by keep going, writing what you love. There are people who love it. Everyone loves something different. Yep. And you will find the people who love your work eventually. Exactly. Just don't give up. Exactly. That's that's the biggest. I think that's probably the best advice ever. Do not give up. Just keep going. It's all you can do. The haters are out there, but so are the lovers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And don't let the haters rule you, stop you, prevent you from doing what you need to do, what you want to do. There is an ex- there is an expression in my country that's been famous since the 70s. It was uh, pioneered by the late great actor Ronnie Barker, a staple in British comedy, I might add. Mm. He ended one of his most famous series by holding up the middle finger to a correctional officer and saying, don't let the bastards get you down. Yes. It is an epic scene, I must admit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and very true. And take that to heart. If you're going to take anything, that's... Yep. That is, <laughs> don't let the bastards get you down. It's, that's and right. There are a lot of bastards out there. Oh, my gosh. Unfortunately. Yes. Unfortunately, there's a lot of mean people, too. But there's a lot of great people, too. Yeah. So... As- as I said, the rough with the smooth, they're both out there. you got to take them both. Exactly. Oh, God. Freudian slip, taking them both at the same time. <laughs> Freudian slips are good, right? <laughs> I do love them, I must admit. <laughs> innuendo is fun, absolutely. <laughs> the name alone is a bit of innuendo itself, because if you sound it out, it's in your end, though. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. I just totally know that. My favorite pun. I've been doing that one for years. <laughs> yeah. And you don't really realize that probably until you actually see that out on the piece of paper and you see the mm. letters and <laughs> a very visual thing that just strikes you, I'm sure. <laughs> it does make you chuckle when you realize. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else in closing that you would like to talk about or bring up? I've really enjoyed our chat, but if there's... <laughs> Me too. But, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid there's not much more I can think of. I'm very good at answering questions, but coming up with them on my own, I'm not that great at, unfortunately. I'm very good <laughs> at uh, responding and going with the flow. Gotcha. Well, I will put all of your links down in the podcast notes. People can easily access that and check out your amazing books. And I really have enjoyed our chats. I would love to speak with you again in the future at any point. Same here. I'd love to do that. It's been very fun. It has been fun. I really enjoyed it. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you very much for having me. You have a good day. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to this sexy excerpt and author interview. I hope you check out L.M. Mountford and all of his links will be in the podcast notes below. So many good stories from him. I have read others as well. So get it, get it and get hot and get satisfied. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. Please sign up, subscribe. Leave me a comment to rate my podcast. I really would love to hear what you think. I'm always open to suggestions. So drop me a line at ruinwillow at gmail.com or on anywhere on social media where I am. I love interacting with people on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, MeWe, share some Tumblr, and my website is ruinwillowauthor.com. My books are on Amazon as well as my audiobooks. I have about, I think, 13 audiobooks now. So get them and get hot and enjoy. If you love my voice, I would love for you to get one of my books and leave a review. I would love to hear your thoughts. I also have free codes for many of them. So if you'd like a free audiobook, They are country specific. Some countries are listed. Usually it's the UK and United States. And I do have a few for Germany and France as well. Um, Unfortunately, Amazon does not allow it for all countries. And I really don't know why, but it is what it is. I hope you enjoyed this. And I hope you have a sexy fucking day. Oh, fuck yeah. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.